coming to you live from Star Worldwide Networks in Scottsdale, Arizona. Be, dream, do. Living by design. The radio show is focused on people sharing their stories of how they were able to understand what they were really passionate about and had the courage to dream big and then did it. Now, join the conversation with your host, David. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back to Be Dream Do Radio. This is your host, Dave Wider, and I'm here with my son, Sean. Good morning. And we have uh, our producer here, Robin Acote. Bienvenue. Uh, you know, I wish I spoke French, Dave, but good morning. Well, I, I'm, I'm glad you don't speak French because that's all I can say. Oh, we oui, oui, monsieur. Yeah. So here Super we are on the pleasure. sixth floor of Star Worldwide Networks. Uh, and uh, we can see a little bit of uh, the Superstition Mountains and Four Peaks. I tell you what, I'm about as thrilled as I can possibly be. We have a very, very special guest and, and a dear friend, um, my previous boss. Actually, you know, that previous piece, that never changes, quite <laughs> frankly, right? So um, you're still my boss, all right? Uh, this is um, um, Dean Meyer. <laughs> <laughs> Once a boss, always a boss. Glad <laughs> to be here. Glad yeah, it's just 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 great, and uh, we had some fun fun times together over the years. Oh, yeah. And um, you know, so I'm going to say you are a CEO retired. Fair enough. Sounds exaggerating, but close. Yeah, enough. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, you never knew me to exaggerate. <laughs> so, so, and and by the way, I just I'd be remiss in in, in not saying that we have his better half here. Uh, Beth is here in the audience, so you heard her clapping along with. <laughs> You're gonna, can you help have everyone else keep it down? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> my, biggest, my biggest fan. <laughs> so, so real good. So, um, you know, a little bit about the show. This is, you know, the only way you can get on the show is where people have to say they love what they do or they love what they did. Okay. Right. And uh, I know we had some discussion about that a little bit. And um, uh, you convinced me that you, within that element, you loved what you did. Because I saw you in the, I mean, I saw you humming. I saw you yeah. in the flow of things, right? You know, veins popping in, in a good way, right? You know, kind of a situation. So it's not usual, it's not common where people can actually find something that they really love doing. And I mean, and that's a fact, Dean. It's not common. It really is an anomaly. That's why they call it work, right? And that's why they call yeah. it work. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and, and, and so there was the survey that came out. I don't know if you read much about this, but there was a survey that Gallup poll came out with, right? And in the survey, they found out that only 10% of the people that they surveyed, and they do, they do these mega surveys, like literally it was 200,000 people around the world, okay? That only 10% of those surveyed were really passionate about the work they were doing. So if you stop and think about that, Dean, what a waste, yeah, it seems like a lot of energy spent in the wrong direction. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what I'm curious about is how did you land where you landed in your career? I mean, you know, I, I've thought a lot about this, and you and I have had conversations sure. in our past background together about right, this. Right, you know, right, you know, right, right. You know, it's always easy um, – you know the, the the tag phrase is always you know go go find your passion yeah you know? yeah and then and then you get paid to do what you do what you love to do that's that's yeah. kind of how it always yeah. goes yeah. you know and 
And to your point, that's 10%, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. the probability of, of being, having the, uh, not only the opportunity, but uh, the time frame to go look for such, such a thing is, right. is, in many cases, not very realistic, right? So, so I, I guess I kind of looked at it a little bit differently, and maybe it's because how I was raised and where I came from and sure. all that sort of thing, but it was more one of a situation, um, maybe not so much go find your passion, um, but be passionate about what you find. Absolutely. Right? Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and it was really more about, you know, I think if my mom and dad growing up, they'd always say, you know, you do a good job, you work hard, you know, people will respect you, and, and opportunities will come to you kind of thing, right? Right, right. And, and I think when you say, how did you end up kind of where you ended up, or how yeah. did the path create itself, um, it was really more around, you know, did every job, did I get up in the morning and say, man, I can't wait to get to work? No. Um, but when I got there, I made sure I gave 110%. Yeah. And, you know, and then you looked for the glass half full. You looked for the people you enjoyed working with. Right, right. You looked for the, the successes, the wins, because it's yeah. always fun to be part of a winning team. So that passion, if that's the word, yeah. um, you find ways to be passionate about what you find. Yeah. Um, and, and that, in turn, kind of creates success along the way. And, uh, what, what would you say you love most about your position? Uh, being able to boss David around. Yeah. I don't know. No, I, <laughs> She, Although it never yes, worked that way. <laughs> <laughs> Although it never worked that way. Um, you know, I think, I think that changed over time. You know, okay. as you go through all these chapters of your career, um, I, I think in the early days what you loved most was, you know, the, the early days was maybe I, I got a 3% raise, you know, and, ooh, yeah. and that was exciting, you know. So maybe it was about money early on because you didn't know how you were going to provide sure. for yourself and your family and those yeah. sorts of things. Yeah. Yeah. And then later on, you might become a supervisor and you'd get excited when one of your, um, the folks that worked for you was recognized, mm-hmm. you know. And then as time goes on, you have a team and the, and the team in it of itself had a major success, um, so accomplishments. It, it was, it always was accomplishments. There, there's no cool. doubt it was accomplishments. Right. Um, I think that, that, that is always was the case. Yeah. So, I mean, it's very interesting that what you're saying though, Dean, and that is, is that, you know, people can spend a lifetime looking at their belly buttons to say what they're really passionate about and trying to make a living at it. Yep. Okay. And there are others who understand their strengths, what they're curious about. Curious, wanting yeah. to know more, right? And then what the world is willing to pay for those skills, right? And then with that payment, there come other things, other passions that you're able to realize. And I don't know if that makes sense to you or, or, or not, Dean, but... Yeah, and, yeah, I, yeah. And, and like I just said a bit ago, I think yeah. early on you kind of were off trying to figure out what the world was willing to pay. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the, in the end, that isn't what motivated you every day. No. Right? That yeah. isn't what brought you to work because, right. you know, that's good on the day that you get the little envelope. But other than that, you still got to get up and give it all you have every day. Right. 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 And, and I'm glad you brought up learning because I was very fortunate in my kind of career. And I think I'm not alone in this regard, but um, I, I had the opportunity. We and David and I at, at one point worked in the same company where they were – I wouldn't say persistent necessarily, but they gave you the opportunity to kind of switch roles 
yeah. uh, on, on a fairly, I think almost, we kind of almost argued every three years you would, you, you would kind of move on and, That's right. and do a different role. And what that created, whether it's one company mm-hmm. or multiple companies, and I know the generations today have changed a bit from when I grew up, where people tend to change more companies today, whereas I kind of grew up in a big company where I changed roles, which in the end, it's kind of the same thing. But the point is, it provided constant learning. Absolutely. Yeah. And I always tell, I have a couple of sons as well, um, in their 30s now, I think. And, uh, you know, I always tell them, when you've quit learning, yeah. it's maybe time to move. It's yeah. time to move on, right? Because that's, again, what motivates you is that constant learning. Yeah. It almost kind of like gives you that edge. Yeah. Right. Well, even after those, after your right. quote, right. quote, career, you, you still have the urge to keep learning. Right. No matter right. what. Yeah. And one would hope anyway. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So what were some of the values that, um, that helped make you successful, Dave? Um, I, I always would, if, well, not that people have asked me that every day, but, you know, I, I attribute it to, I'm from the Midwest, okay, um, and I grew up in a little bitty uh, town, farming town, um, you know, and as I said earlier, I was kind of raised to, you know, you get an opportunity, you get a job, you know, if you have to outwork everybody else, right? Yeah, um, yeah. And the other thing I think that came with that sort of environment and growing up, um, another one was for sure uh, mutual respect. Mm-hmm. You know, it didn't matter if it was the CEO or the, you know, the, you know, the assembly worker or whatever the case may be. Right, it, it right. Would, you treat everybody with respect mm-hmm. um, for sure. And then, and I always also believed, and David, you know this, is um, it's a lot easier to be authentic than it is to fake it, right? Absolutely. Um, you can be much more consistent if you're authentic. Right, right. And then lastly, I would say um, always be open and communicative openly. I mean, don't give half-truths, you know, that kind Just be authentic. Communicate openly. Mutual respect. Transparent. Transparent. Yeah. And uh, those things can take you a long way. Yeah, absolutely. And, it, and it's easy to do when you, if if you just be yourself. Um, How important was it to you personally to win? It was pretty important. Yeah. Um, yeah. And it sounds kind of bad when I say that in, in some ways, but, uh, you know, I grew up... There, there, there was no, no judgment in, okay. you know, at, at all. I mean... No, it was important. I, 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 you know, people remember winners. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, you know, I... I I grew up in kind of an athletic family, yeah. Uh, yeah. especially a father who was very successful athletically, and, and it was important to him. And I guess he kind of passed that on to me that it was important. Yeah. You'd, you'd hate to think, though, and I can't really maybe come up with any instances, but where winning was more important than something else, right? You know, you know what I'm trying to get at? Mm-hmm. Where winning at all costs is, is not what I'm trying to think. That's a different beast. That's a different beast, and that's not... That's not what I mean when I say winning was important to me. But, yeah, winning was important because I think yeah, it, yeah. again, as Sean said earlier, it, it excites people, excites the team. You want to, I mean, you get a choice and somebody asks you at work, hey, yeah. you want to go join that team and they've never won or you want to go sure. join that team and they win all the time. I think I know which one I would. Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of pride that you yeah. take, too, to be associated with a winning team. Yep. Right? But yes. you don't want to forsake your values. Exactly. That's what, that's, you said it better than I tried. Yeah. So, that, Exactly. There was a Netflix movie just came out called Last Laugh, and it was we watched it with uh, oh, yeah. Chevy Chase and Richard Dreyfus. Richard Dreyfus, there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. And he was a stand-up comedian, and that was his thing. But then he quit, 
And then Chevy Chase was his manager, and he goes, he finds him out later, and he's like, uh, why'd you let it go? Why'd you quit? And he's like, I had a house. I had a family. I had a job. I was, I was great. Like, I didn't need anything else. I like, what did I give up on? What did I miss out on? Yeah. You know, <laughs> it was his, his passion to be a comedian. He always made people laugh every day, wherever he was. He didn't not, you know, make people laugh. So it's like he didn't lose anything. So I think uh, it's a perspective. It's a perspective, yeah, you know. Yeah, you don't yeah. lose yourself, and uh, you know, like you're saying, you just grow up. You get a good job. Be grateful for the job. You work hard and find success in it. Yeah, yeah. or it finds you somehow. Yeah, yeah. So is it fair to say that you pretty much enjoyed all of your career? I did. I did. So was there ever any time in your career where you were kind of going, "Oh my gosh, how am I going to get through this"? <clears throat> not so much. I think I was very blessed in that respect. Um, uh, uh, you know, I, I, I've, I was never, you know, I, I never felt like I was looking for the next job. Yeah. Like I never woke up going, oh gosh, you know, this I had enough of this to your point. How am mm-hmm. I going to get through this? I really yeah. am looking for the next job. Um, I was very lucky through 30 some years or whatever it was that by, kind of sticking to the plan, you yeah, know, right, uh, right. focused on doing good at the current opportunity. Mo- every opportunity came to me, mm-hmm. you know, um, you know, where somebody would recognize you. I was, I was fortunate enough to have some good mentors, um, you know, who helped pull, pull you along the way. Sure, sure. And, uh, but no, I, I mean, there were, I mean, David, you know this as well as anybody, our jobs um, consisted of a lot of travel. Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, and a lot of travel internationally, which, you know, the first time you go somewhere, it's pretty exciting. The, the fifth time you go there to sit in a conference room, you know, it's uh, less exciting. And some of those days were long, and you missed out on family time and uh, some of those sacrifices. But, uh, but, again, it was once you got there, you were in it, and you were thrilled and excited. And, and uh, no, I, I was very fortunate. Yeah, I mean, really incredible opportunities that, that took you around the world. Oh, yeah, we, we right. got to see a lot. Yeah. There was something that, uh, that you and Beth did together uh, when we were at Telco, uh, and that was the uh, organization. You guys went down to the Amazons. Oh, yes, we did. Yeah. World Vision. Yeah, World Vision. Yeah. Yeah, talk to us about that a little bit. Yeah, so we, at one, uh, yeah, so it was... I don't know, five, ten years ago probably, we had an opportunity. We, we actually had a business meeting in Brazil at the time. Right, right. Um, and so uh, Beth went with me, and, and, and pre-planned for this was we sponsored at Poco a company called World Vision, right. where, where we uh, sponsored them with some monies. And one of the ways that they spent those monies was on a hospital boat right. uh, that actually kind of resided or lived up in the tributaries of the Amazon, and its wow. primary purpose in life was to inoculate um, children who basically lived in these remote locations. And so as being a sponsor of World Vision, we were asked and invited um, to go participate and go to visit this houseboat and see in person where our monies were going. Uh-huh. And so Beth went with me, and it was the... It was like the trip of a lifetime sort of thing. And, uh, I mean, we literally, uh, what is it, Manaus? Is that, is Manaus, that, yeah. Manaus yeah. is at uh, kind of the head of the tributaries there in, in Brazil. It was the rubber capital of the world in, the, was in, it? its, in its early days. Yeah. So, anyway, we flew into there, and uh, then they took us on, like, this jet boat, uh-huh. you know, 
hours back up into the tributaries, and then lo and behold, here's this, I don't know, 40, 50-foot, you know, triple-deck, 40, 50-foot houseboat boat that had volunteer nurses um, and doctors, maybe, um, that would literally take, they would rotate, and they might take three weeks vacation a year, right, right. and they would mm-hmm. go spend three weeks on this boat, um, you know. From all over the world? From all, uh, I don't right. know if the nurses were from all over the world and the doctors, but I think they were more regional. Um, yeah, yeah. But we arrived, and the first thing we saw were these wooden dugout canoes mm. with, a, you know, in most cases, a mother or a couple of women, and then a series of children in these dugout canoes, and they had those long little small propellers out the back, and here they'd come. From, diff- oh my goodness. from different tributaries, yeah. and all these kids would arrive. and To be inoculated. To be inoculated on the boat. Wow. And it was, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, talk about up leaving a situation like that and feel, feeling fortunate with, for what you have um, kind of was, was really impressive. So it sounds like if you work hard, you bring in your, you know, your, your values and how you were raised, you'd be the best you can, you know, whatever you're doing, you'd be the best at it. And strive to, to win and try to help enable others to win, not win at all costs, right. kind of a thing. Right. Um, that other things kind of come your way, and that other blessings, I'll just say that. Mm-hmm. Experiences. Experiences, yeah. right? And so being able to go down to the Amazons, obviously, ah, uh, yeah. that, you know, that, I mean, that, that's just incredible and such a worthy cause, right? Yeah. To be able to contribute to that. You know, you had mentioned something, you know, about the plan. You said the plan. What plan did you have, Dean? Um, the plan to me was always, um, I, I, think, I think a lot of, I, I think most people, when you start off early in your career, I, I had one advantage, and you and I have talked about this before, so I'm going to mention yeah. it here, because I think it's, it's, it's something worth noting. Um, I, had the, I had the opportunity in college to be a co-op and an intern. Right. And when you talk about the plan, you know, you kind of you go, yeah, I'm going to go to college and I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that, right? But when you co-op and you intern, I, I thought it was one of the most important um, tributaries in my life was right. because I didn't figure out while I was co-oping or interning what I wanted to do, but I sure figured out what I didn't want to do. Yeah. And, oh, that's and, interesting. And, and the benefit of that was is when I – took my first job out of college, mm-hmm. I knew what I didn't want to interview for and I knew what I wanted to go for because I knew all those things I had seen and kind of done. And I go, you know, so the benefit of that was I didn't, I didn't get out of the shoot the first four or five years, let's say, doing something that I didn't enjoy or I had to learn that I wouldn't enjoy or, or, that, or whatever the case might be. So to me, that was kind of, was kind of unpredicted, but it was a, a consequence of, of that co-oping thing. But then I'd say when you get out, for me, the plan um, to your question is I always kind of in my mind, maybe it's because I have an engineering background, always kind of would sit and go, on this track, where will I be in five to ten years? Mm-hmm. You know, and you can just reflect and go, I, I kind of know that person and that person. If I'm successful, I might get their job. I might get their job. I might get that job. Mm-hmm. And in some cases, I'd look at that and go, I don't want that job. Right, right. You know, I know where I'll be in 10 years that if I'm successful here. Right, right. And that isn't where I want to be. Mm-hmm. So then you, you make a plan and, you know, you start moving in another direction. You know, you always, you know, say 
well, you know, plan the work and work the plan, right? Right, right, right. And uh, so to me, that was a big one. Um, I've worked for a very large company, and, and I was being quite successful in that company, but I had one of those reflections of 10 years, and, uh, and it wasn't where I wanted to be. So I left that company and went and joined a very small company. Mm-hmm. Again, asked by an individual who was uh, recruiting me, um, and it was probably one of the most, also, you know, I can probably pick about four or five times in my, my career, but that, again, was a major, um, a major change, mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and that led to, you know, a lot of future success. So you were very intentional uh, about where you wanted to go direction. Yeah, I wasn't just flowing with the river. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, yeah, I was, I was intentional because I, you know, you, you kind of knew where you wanted to be. And, um, and again, it wasn't necessarily, when I say I knew where I wanted to be, it, it was about winning in some ways. It was about success. It was being able to provide. Right. It was about... Um, like, sorry. Go, no, go. It's like little... Uh, it sounds like uh, possible opportunities in small chunks. Yeah. Oh, and, yeah. And navigating that. Yeah, it was. It was. That's a, that's, yeah. a, that's a very good way. Yeah. It was. Mm-hmm. Um, and and a lot of it was, you know, you want to you want um, the folks that you care a lot about to be proud of you, right? So it was always about trying to find success in a way that was um, would be heartfelt and meaningful to the people mm-hmm. around you. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, in and of itself, it was probably more important for me that it was that it was something others could look at me and, and be proud of versus not so much myself. I mean, yes, I, I wanted to provide. Right, but, right. Um, yeah. Yeah. So you say you studied engineering. Why engineering? You know, that's a good question. Um, I think, you know, coming out of my little town, right, I think, uh, well, I'll, I'll say this, that it didn't start off as engineering. Okay. Um, I went to... Uh, college and uh, at University of Iowa, and it started off in computer science. Okay, and that was back in the day. That was that was a hot thing. That right? was that was a hot thing because yeah. computers yeah. barely existed. Right, right. And Sean, you won't even know what I'm about to say here, but it was back in the day when you had punch cards. Yeah, you know, so you take this big <laughs> stack of these punch cards, yeah. um, which looked like airplane tickets stacked about a foot tall. Yeah. And you'd run them through a machine, and that would tell you if your program worked or not. That's right. Well, I've never heard of that. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, and, and the best time to get access to these machines without standing in line was basically like at midnight at the, compu- right. at the computer center because right. you had wow. to go to this place. So after my first year of college and spending every night midnight at the computer center, you know, running punch cards, that takes 20 minutes to find out that you had an error and had to run it exactly. Again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, I'm no longer in computer science. And so the next closest <laughs> kind of thing, or I met people in that, in that time frame that were in engineering. So I went to engineering. Um, but trying different things, trying different mm-hmm. things. But I go back now in hindsight and I, my wife's an engineer, both my sons are engineers by, you know, all academically engineers. And the reason I'd say our, we pushed, maybe, is that a strong word? We pushed our kids um, into engineering was because they were kind of like me when they went to college. They, you know, you wanted them to be individuals and find their own way, but, you know, but they kind of headed off toward college and we thought, well, if you don't know what you're doing and we're paying for it, we can at least give you a little advice. Absolutely. And the little advice was if, if you aren't passionate about something else, 
then try engineering because the worst thing that will happen is you'll come out of college and you'll know how to problem solve. And that applies to anything and everything in mm-hmm. life. In life. Mm-hmm. So worst case is you learn how to solve a problem, you know, and you can apply that to whatever. And that's, that, that's applicable to all situations. Yep. And, uh, and so they did that, and, and they're not um, working engineers, so to speak, right? In a, you know, they've gone on and done their things, but I guarantee you it's helped them in that sense. Yeah. What would you have done differently? Career-wise? Hmm. Um, one that I'm still working on, um, and uh, my wife over here will, won't believe I'm working on it, but, uh, you know, I, one mistake I... I Is she going to be shocked by this statement? She will be a little bit. Um, <laughs> you know, and, I, and this is by looking back, and, and, I, and I feel it still today, uh, you know, it's, it's better to be happy than right. And I, and I died on a lot of hills, you know, I think mm-hmm. during my career. I, I took the hill a lot to either make a point, to get the last word or, or whatever. And, you know, in hindsight, that was a, probably a lot of wasted energy, you know, over time. And like I said, I still work on it. You know, it's, um, sometimes it's better to be happy than right. So that and uh, I'd say the other one I'd learned um, as I progressed through my career was I didn't start off, um, and I, maybe I didn't end up either, but I didn't necessarily start off being the best um, recruiter or the best uh, reader of people. You know, I think when, you ha- when you've had some success mm-hmm. and then you're thrown as an individual, when you've had success as an individual, and then you're thrown into a supervisor or management role, yeah. when you've had success – and then you're asked to create a team or hire people. Right. Well, you want you look to hire people like yourself. Right. 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 Because well, hell, I've been, I've been successful. Right. Right. I guess what success looks like is people like me. You know, and and we all know what that turns into. That's a lot of what do you call that groupthink or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or, or yeah. whatever. You don't end yeah. up with a, a lot of diversity of thought and those sorts of things. So that was that one took me a, a while and. David, you helped me a lot in that regard, um, but uh, that that took time and a lot of learning and uh, and continuous learning and um, yeah. So those are a few that that rub me still that I feel like I you know I did could have done better. Yeah. Who inspired you? Hmm. You know that's you know I never, I can't I really can't sit here and say, oh, that person, you know, gosh, I just wanted to be like them. It, it wasn't so much that. It was more, I, again, I, I know I'm kind of referring back to some of the same things, but, you know, when you came from a, a smaller community, I was the first person in my family tree to go to college. Hmm. Um, so inspiration was driven more by kind of extending beyond the opportunities that had had previously been out there for you know the community or the family that I came from. So the inspiration was driven by a step further. You know, mm-hmm. I can't say I went to the moon, but you know, I went a, you know a step further sort of thing. And and then once you got into you know your career, there of course there were there were pieces of everybody that you were inspired by. Mm-hmm. Right, you'd always mm-hmm. try to kind of you you would grab kind of the bits that 
wow, that person's a really good public speaker, which right, I wish I right. could be. And that person's a really uh, good selection. Uh, they, they do great at identifying key team players. Yeah, and you would right. find all these attributes that, right, right. You, that in, in my mind, I was inspired by a collective mm-hmm. of traits that, that were easily, not easily, but were identifiable in either supervisors you had or managers you had or people you read about or heard about. Mm-hmm, so. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I think that was the inspiration. To be better. Yeah. Uh, it's, it's as if you, you took the challenge as an inspiration. Oh, it for was, sure. You know, there was this being able to take the pride, and I think you referred to it, so that others could, to, could find some happiness in your achievements. Yes. Yeah. And I think you referred to your father and the, the work that he had done as a, uh, that preceded you, but he helped plant the, uh, the values that, that, that were a guiding force in your, for sure. in your life. Let's take a break, and we come back, we'll uh, explore some things a little bit deeper. Okay. All right. 85% of employees hate their jobs. That's right. That's what last year's Gallup poll said after surveying millions. Only 15% were truly passionate about the work they did. If you're among the 85% who don't like their work, you're invited to join our weekly podcast radio show every Tuesday from 10 to 11 a.m., recorded live at Star Worldwide Network Studio in Scottsdale, Arizona at BeDreamDoRadio.com. You will hear guests of all ages and backgrounds who all have one thing in common. They love what they do. Tune in and explore how they found out what was most important to them, how they dreamed big, and put a plan into action to realize their dreams. Join us in the conversation. Now, back to the show. Well, welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. We're here with Dean Meyer, CEO retired and uh, boss extraordinaire. I'll just say that, right? right so I can, I can brag on that. And you can't, you cannot take exception because that's my assessment. Okay, right? Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> um, by the way, um, I um, on the way up, I had a conversation uh, on the way up to the studio today. I had a conversation with my sister, and uh, she remembers having met my sister and my brother-in-law. Meeting you guys over at the house uh, at dinner several several years ago, so so you see, you know, it, it uh, lasting impact, last a lasting impact. Yeah, that's that that's that's what's key here. So you know, um, anything that you read that really jumps out, uh, you know, that really had an impact on your life, the actions that you took. Um, early on, um, you know, I. You know, it would be hard to say what's your favorite book because I've had a lot of favorites. Right. And they're all applicable to the time in your life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so early on, Beth would probably still laugh because we have, a, I think, a, a whole wall of business books. I, I was right. kind of enamored with reading business books um, early in my career. And, you know, either about finance and, you know, mm-hmm. all those, being a good manager. You right, know, right, all right. The, all of those um, so I, I don't think I ever read a, um, what is it, a fiction book until maybe two years ago or something. <laughs> you know, so. It was like, why, why get lost in fiction yeah, when, yeah. when reality is so fun? Yeah, that's right, exactly. Yeah, yeah. There's work to be done. <laughs> yeah, but, but you, know, um, um, you know, as you move through the chapters of your life, which, you know, I'm almost 60, so I'm in a different chapter now, and, uh, but now I, I kind of, I have a trilogy that I work on now. And uh, the, the kind of books that where I'm at now in my life 
I, uh, I reread them every year, like once a year, you know, it's just, and so I have three right now that I, that I'm focused on. And one is, um, younger next year. Oh yeah. Right. And I think you gave me that. Book. I think you even have that. Yeah, book, yeah, yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, that book's, you know, just real quickly, it's, it's about that, um, you know, age doesn't have to be kind of this linear degradation, you know, over time. There's, right. you know, there's ways that you can keep yourself as vibrant as you need to be. That's, that's one. Always learning. Always, always learning. And it's, it's about, it's very much kind of, it's about social networks. It's about um, fitness, diet, you know, it's, it's those sorts of things. But as much mentally and socially as, as anything. Enjoying, is, enjoying life. Yeah, which is to your point about learning. Um, and then another one is, um, I, I, I would be far stretched to say I'm the m- most religious person, but there's a kind of a, have you ever seen the movie The Shack? I read the book The Shack. I have not, no. It's more about, it's not trying to promote anything other than um, probably peace of mind and, and, a, and maybe some sort of higher being, but it doesn't try to define it for you. It lets mm-hmm. you define it for yourself. And so mm-hmm. it's just kind of a real spiritual book that, that I that I took a lot out of, and then last but not least, I'm on a. Uh, my wife, ten years prior to me, got on this, but I'm finally on a, a pretty good diet kick these days, and so. <laughs> <laughs> and and I don't mean diet to lose weight. That's yeah, that's not my yeah. point. But just to live a to have a healthy. Um, eating routine and those sorts of things. So that one's called the plant paradox. So. I, we live in this motor home part of the year now, we have for the last five years, and so you would laugh if you go to our little motor home because there's a <laughs> row of each of these three books. And so you run into a lot of people on the road, and they say, well, how are you? How you doing? Um, you know, I saw you all, your wife and you out running today, or this or that. Boy, you're motivated. And the next thing you know, you're having a conversation over a glass of wine, and they say, yeah. you know, what kind of what kind of keeps you going? And I literally hand them a trilogy of books. I go, here, go read these, and you'll get it. You'll figure it out. So, Dean, you're an evangelist. In, in that respect, I yeah, am. you're an evangelist. Uh, in that respect, yeah. I am. Yeah. Yeah. So I have a question. Um, if you didn't uh, pursue this path in your life, um, what, would you think, what do you think you would have done? If I didn't pursue what path? And like uh, becoming a CEO. Oh, and, School and engineer, what, what life would you have lived? Do you think? I don't know. Um, you, you know, if I, if I, there's without a doubt, if I wouldn't have taken, you know, that that step to say, I kind of wanted to take a step further than uh, the large. I, I I grew up in a very blue collar community, right? Um, you know, I I could only imagine that I would have ended. And there's nothing wrong with the blue-collar community. Don't, sure, don't get absolutely. Me wrong. Right. Um, but there's a very high probability I'd have been a factory worker. Um, mm-hmm. Very high probability. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. That's where I, what I would have done. Yeah. yeah, so had you not... Had you seized a moment when you were struggling, like we all struggle, right. and kind of got caught into that and said, heck, I'm going to quit school, right. right? Yeah. You may have ended up working in the factory. Yeah. And eked out some sort of a, a, a life. And, a, and a decent living. And a decent living, yeah. yeah. Um, what kind of factories are they? Um, oh, well, where I grew up is uh, John Deere and, you know, all, okay. all the farming, yeah. farming implement uh, yeah. type. type uh, and, and, again, where I grew up, my, my, my town, 
I think without exaggerating, probably 20% of the people in my community of 1,300 yeah. work at John Deere. Um, so, and now there's some more smaller um, factories nearby, but, but uh, that, that's where the majority of people, you know, my dad worked there for 35 years. My uncle worked there for 45 years. Um, you know, so everybody around me, that's, that's the, the lifestyle. <clears throat> I suspect, though, given the grounding that you had in the values that you'd shared earlier in, in the show today, that you would have worked in the factory for a while, and you would have somewhere along the line gotten inspired to pursue your education. I just have a sense yeah, of I, that. I, yeah, I think so, too. I have a sense of that. That's probably what would have happened. Um, yeah, following the opportunities and yeah. kind of navigating, definitely. Or taking advantage of, you know, uh, company reimbursed education, yeah, you, you absolutely. know, just those, those kind of things. All, all, all the perks. Yeah, all the perks. Yeah, in fact, I, I even did that after, yeah. you know, I did that to get my master's degree, yeah. right? Was, was a company-sponsored <laughs> 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 was, was, was uh, thing. But I would say that was even driven not so much by, um, it, that was more I had an engineering degree, and I knew there was a whole world I didn't understand. That's when you got your MBA. Yeah, and that was a business yeah, yeah. side of things. And yeah. so that was one of those trying to fill out, um, you know, I was trying to fill out the education world. Um, so. I think, yeah, you sounds like you definitely fell into the Bee Dream do. Like you, you knew, you looked at yourself, you knew what you wanted. You, you had the goals, the dreams, aspirations to do that much more. Yeah. Like you said, and then you did it. Yeah, yeah. Nothing wrong with dreaming big. I, I have no issue with that. But you know, the but then it doesn't fulfill itself necessarily. You and that's where I go back to this plan. Yeah, that, that yeah. David mentioned earlier. You got to plan it out, and, uh, and then you got to work it. Um, and yeah. So you know, you go to college. You know, big fan of the intern program. Trying different things. You knew what you didn't like, and um, you know, you moved from computer science into engineering, and you designed you designed a path you, you would you were very intentional of how do you would, would see yourself in a certain role five years from now assuming you did a decent job right, right yeah correct and um and you were able to um create your career that way but when did you retire um four four and a half years ago yeah. 55 at age 55 not on purpose yeah so how do you retire and not on purpose? Um, I had no intention of retiring. Um, and then my father was diagnosed with uh, Alzheimer's, of all things, right? So, right, right. So, you know, it kind of went back to the values thing at one point. You know, as I said earlier, I'd, as, as part of work, I'd, we moved a lot around the United States, so I right. wasn't, wasn't that close to home. Home meaning my parents, right? And uh, and then traveled all over the world, so it wasn't readily available even when we were in the United States. Um, so when that circumstance happened, mm. um, I had a pretty harsh realization that, uh, boy, you know, maybe make up for some lost time, sort of thing, and knowing that he might only have a couple years. So, um, and and that's in fact what happened. So. I left work, and it was the best decision, not only f- for him, but for me, mm. one of the best decisions I ever made. So we had a couple quality years. Uh, he's in a home now, but um, and he doesn't, right. doesn't know who we are anymore. But, uh, Bless his heart. But, but it was, uh, you know, and so that also taught me a lot, mm-hmm. you know, that if you are having some success, 
um, you know, it, it is about balance, right? It's, right? it's about balance of work and family and kids and parents and all those sorts of things. But it's easy to lose balance. And uh, I didn't really realize probably how much I'd lost that balance until I was kind of forced to think about the other side of the equation. So, and now, you know, now it's just, you know, now it's a dream come true. Didn't know it at the time. Right. But now we spend all kinds of time with our children, and we now have a grandbaby, and, and, uh, and friends take work, you know, especially as you get sure. older and people move all over. Right. Friends Friends it's take, an investment, yeah. Friends take a major investment, and so, right. but we've, right. you know, reinvested mm. in our network, and we have friends all over the place and family all over the place, and now we have the privilege and uh, opportunity to go spend time with people everywhere, and it's, it's been wonderful. So That's I didn't amazing. retire on purpose. Well, I retired with a purpose. With a purpose, yeah. Not on purpose, um, and, uh, and it led to so many other more fulfilling things. And, and David, you and I have had this conversation before, which takes nothing away from the career because the career provided the means. Absolutely. Um, and the company, you know, the companies that I worked for provided the means to be able to make that decision. Um, and if we wouldn't have had that success, um, if we wouldn't have had that success, then this wouldn't have been possible really anyway. Right. Our situation right. we're in now, so. Yeah, so the life that you designed enabled you to take that decision. Exactly. exactly. To retire with a purpose. Yeah, and, you know, the other thing is, is how much success do you really need? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and again, this situation with my dad reset what I thought was need, what mm-hmm. was necessary. You know, I think you, you know, I... I you know, more is better, right? Not necessarily, right? I think that's another lesson I learned is more is not necessarily better. Um, well, just as you were talking about how much you enjoy, uh, you and Beth enjoy spending time with your family, you know, have a grandchild, right? Um, and um, soon there'll be more, I got to thank. I hope. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, we're bribing and, them. And, we're bribing you're bribing them, them yeah. Right, yeah. So uh, I, could, I just saw your eyes just, just come alive. Uh, they were really gleaming, and uh, you know that's that says a lot. That really does say a lot. So what next? Um, I don't know. I mean, for now, I mean, now is when I'm not planning too far ahead. <laughs> you know, because we're kind of enjoying the moments, and uh, you know, we're we're also in that chapter where um, our folks, you know need a fair amount of our time. So, you know, and one thing, I, I, again, I learned probably during our professional career was, you know, our calendars were chocked full. Absolutely. And our calendar became the excuse of why we couldn't do so many things. Whatever. Yeah. And we couldn't be in the places maybe that we could have been or should have been. So I've almost done a 180 or 360, 180, I guess it is. <laughs> I've, I've almost done a 180 where I'm almost remiss to put anything on the calendar because I don't want to miss that next opportunity, not opportunity, that next need or place to be or person to visit or that helping hand, right? It's almost like I've gone to the extreme of saying I want it completely empty. So when you say what's next, right now it's 
being accessible is number one. Available is number one. So I'm kind of cool. hesitant <laughs> to go sign up and recommit the week and the month and the year because then I'm right back to where I was again. And, uh, and <laughs> <laughs> then you're locked in. Then you're locked in. <laughs> yeah. Right. yeah, so... <laughs> because you can do it and you've oh, done you can it. Do it. You, you can, can do, do it. it and you've done it. But yeah, it's uh it's not what's most important to you. Yeah, but that said, um I know something will come. So I'm trying to keep an open mind. But I'm trying to pace myself in that regard for the reasons I just said. What would that something be? When you said earlier you saw my eyes gleam about family. Um, my eyes can gleam also about fitness, health, diet, wholeness, wellness. You know, especially as you get, you know, maybe not 15-year-olds and 20-year-old kids who won't listen to me anymore. But, um, but maybe as, you know, as people age, um, as, as, we're, as we all do, um, I, I just think there's a message that could be shared that could be helpful. I don't know. Absolutely inspirational. Yeah, absolutely inspirational. So that's the trilogy of the books. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'm still promoting. That's it. the <laughs> it's it's evangelism. You don't need you don't need to walk away from it. And and we try yeah. to live it. Both yeah. Beth yeah. and I, we try to live it. And um, yeah. So you are doing a lot of other things besides being with family. You know, you you talk about the motorhome that you have, uh, and I know how physically active you are. So. Talk to us about some of the things that you're involved in, uh, you know, the activities that you're involved in. Um, uh, well, we're very active, let's, let's put it that way. And, yeah. and, and it means different things to both Beth and I a little bit. Um, but we both try to be, stay very physically fit. Right. And one of those, Dream Big, um, has I've been a runner since... Ooh, Mid-90s, so what is that, going on 20-some years, I guess. And uh, so I did a, a, a initial, again, I ran into some friends, and they talked me into doing a marathon back in 1995 or 98, somewhere in that time frame. And, uh, and, and, and so that also, yes, it was a physical goal, but what came out of it was the friendships out of that team, it was probably half a dozen people at the time who are lifelong friends today. We're scattered all over the United States. We all stay in touch um, to this day. And they're all still doing their thing. And, you know, I've continued to do my thing in terms of running. But if you're a runner, you know, utopia is to run the Boston Marathon. Mm -hmm. So um, it's always been on my list. It's always been on my bucket list. So you haven't run it before? I have not run it. Okay. And... uh, it's hard, to, it's hard to do. It's hard to qualify for. It's the only marathon in the world that you must qualify for wow. by meeting a time standard. And I'm happy to say that it was, I dreamt and I planned it and I worked the plan and I qualified um, last November. So, so next year, yeah, that's a biggie. Right. So uh, next year, 2020, I'll be running Boston. So that's, so that's exciting. That's cool. And then also as a result of that... Um, that allowed me also to gain access to the New York City Marathon, which is this coming November. So, so I got, if, if you're a runner, you know that the six major marathons in the world are Chicago, New York, Boston, 
Berlin, Tokyo, and London. And so I'll at least have on my bucket list now since I've run Chicago um, that I've done at least the U.S.-based three of the six uh, majors of the world. So, so that, that's, that's uh, yeah, so that's, it keeps us very business. You know, when, when Beth and I get up in the mornings, because we're committed to this lifestyle, the first thing we do is fitness. Because we know if we put it off, it won't get It won't done. happen. Right. And uh, it, it is truly a lifestyle. that, And so it is, it is the thing we do. Um, so is that jogging or is it? It's running, biking. Uh, we're doing a lot of mountain biking now here that we're in Arizona. So we're doing a lot of mountain biking right now. I mean, a lot, like every day um, and quite a bit. So, um, That's cool. And then we lift weights and do silly things to stay in shape, you know. Did a stand of yoga, you know, which I enjoyed tremendously, but it doesn't travel well, <laughs> you know, because I need motivation. I have to be in a studio, right? So you can fall asleep. If, I don't know. When I tried yoga, I was like, at the end of get it, comfortable. Like, at, at, I the don't know. It, <laughs> at the end of it, yeah, I don't want to yeah. stretch anymore. Yeah, like, yeah, I'm just. This is a good pose. I'm just going yeah. li- to live gonna hang there. Right? <laughs> yeah, just, just going to hang. So no, discipline. It's, but it's it's movement. You know, it's just keep moving. So, I mean, you know, you've, you've lived the American dream if you stop and think about it, or what we call the American true, dream. True, true. In the sense that uh, you ended up studying something that you at least enjoyed. Yep, right? for sure. Uh, and you had enough curiosity about it to learn more in other, area, other areas. You even went on and extended that into business, which you saw fitting into your puzzle. For right? Sure. Uh, yeah. Right? It was part of a puzzle. You're right. You were missing that puzzle, so you got that piece and you put it in there, right? And uh, you were able to design your life and, you know, carry things forward. Uh, and it enabled you to get to the point where you said, I can now retire with a purpose, mm-hmm. as, you explained, uh, as you explained earlier. And uh, you'll hear people say, you know, to retire at age 55 is almost the, uh, it's, it's almost kind of like the, the mantra of people in, that live in the corporate world, you know. You do your 20 years, you know, you know that formula, right? And, uh, you know, you can retire. I, I, you know, so uh, you did it. You, you know, it all worked out, even though had, uh, the, um, had the physical situation, the health situation not changed with your parents, perhaps you'd still be working today, perhaps. Prob- I think a, a high probability probably, yeah. which yeah. is scary in some ways because yeah. I see what we've been able to realize subsequent. Right. Um, but you talk about the puzzle a little bit. Um, you remind me when you said the puzzle. You know, again, I'm not unique in any respect, but you have to manage your own career because no one else is going to manage it for you. Mm-hmm. Right? So when you're looking to put the pieces of the puzzle together, that's out of necessity. No, mm. one, else, no one else is going to do that for you. Right, right. And if you're looking for that someone to do it for you, you're going to be awfully disappointed. Right. So you have to take ownership. Yeah. You know, you can't become a victim. You have to take ownership and, and manage your own career. Yeah, there's, there's lots of opportunity to be the victim. Right. Yeah, lots of opportunity. I have a, a question based on because your role as a CEO. Because we're talking about Be Dream Do and the, you know, the, the percentage of people who don't actually enjoy their, their work. I was wondering, based on your position, if you had seen, if you had seen that in the workplace. You had seen people that were not inspired, who might not have liked it. If how would you handle oh, that? Well, Things for like sure. that. Um, I mean, you 
you know, a pet peeve of mine is when people spend more of their day looking for their next job than doing their current job. You know, that's that's a Ooh, that's yeah. a that's a yeah. that's a big pet peeve of mine. Yeah, that's right. not why they were hired. Right. But but to me that's indicative of what, what you just asked. You know, do you see people um in whatever management role or CEO role or whatever role you're in that aren't happy, you know, don't like their jobs. I mean, you see them all the time. And, you know, all you can really do is, you know, coach them to move on or do something different because if they're not happy, you know, they, you know, if they, if they can't give it their, if they can't give the, their current situation their all, they really need to be doing something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and or they have to kind of change their thinking, right? Yeah. Either that or they got to change their thinking, saying, I'm going to be good at this, even though it's not necessarily what, you know, I went searching for, but it's where I landed. Yeah. Um, you know, if you're, getting, if you're getting paid, you're putting the time in, do it well. Yeah. Don't worry. Do it well. Be proud of what you're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And once you get into that groove, you can find the energy and, and the reinforcement. Yeah, and it can become, to be positive, about and it, it can become addictive. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so, what advice would you have uh, for those that are listening that um, are college age students? You know, how, what to do next? What what would you? What advice would you have uh, for our listeners out there? What actions should they take? Um. You know, there's many paths to success, and, and not suggesting mine by any means is one of the few. Um, but I was fortunate, as you said earlier. Uh, you know, I'll take that intern conversation I had earlier in that co-op situation I referred to earlier. That 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 was one way to another way to say what that provided for me is to fail early, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. right? So if you're young and um, fail early, get out of the way. You know, find out early. The things that you absolutely wouldn't want to do, and I had the benefit of doing that through a through a program, you know, so to speak, a co-op. Or, but but you know, don't waste a lot of time, you know, on a path that when you say five, ten years ahead, don't waste don't waste seven years, you know, of ten saying, oh, in three more years I didn't where I want to be. Yeah, you know, right. f- you know, fail fast, fail early, figure out early how to. I'll call it the 80-20 rule, you know, or maybe that's an extreme, but, you know, get 80% of it out of the way and focus on the 20 of, that you know you could kind of fit in that window and, and, and be happy and content and mm-hmm. challenged and learning. And um, So I'd, I'd say that's a biggie. I would say also if you're blessed enough to have a good mentor, you know, and what I mean by a mentor, they can be inside work or outside of work. It doesn't really matter, but... Um, but it, normally, if they can influence uh, your opportunity to to, um, perce- uh, to progress and to excel, all the better. But find somebody, learn from them, have them pull you along. Don't be so proud to say, you know, you're, you know, I don't want to be sponsored by anybody. I want to do it all on my own. It, nothing wrong with being pulled along. And uh, ask and, for help. Ask for help. Yeah. It doesn't doesn't hurt. And uh, and then, you know. They call it work for a reason. Um, it, you know, I know there's people out there, and we all read about them, who say, I can't believe I get paid for doing what I do because it's only fun. Um, but but you're, you're one of the exceptions, if we said earlier, 10%, if, if, yeah, that, if yeah. that's your situation. So the likelihood is the majority of us and those listening would, 
they, they call it work for a reason. But then be good at it. Be proud of what you do, yeah. you know, nose to the grindstone. And then opportunities, I believe, as long as you're looking at your puzzle, yeah. the opportunities um, will come and uh, you can plan your career accordingly. That's excellent. Just one other question. You know, the name of the show was Be Dream Do. How does that name resonate with what you just described? Well, the B part for me would be, uh, no pun intended, uh, the B part would be in the moment. I mean, you know, excel at the task at hand. Or, or, or also be, be a good listener, uh, learn, be, be everything in the moment that, that you can extract from it, take from it, share with it, provide to it. Um, just be in that moment. Um, dream big. You know, the five years, the 10 years, the Boston Marathon, the whatever. Um, you know, dream big. Go, you know, no, there's nothing wrong with dreaming big. Um, the big car, the fancy house, it doesn't really matter. When you get there, you might figure out it doesn't mean as much as you thought it did when you, right, when you right, dreamt it. Right. But go for it. Dream for it. And then um, do is, is uh, it's my repetitive line of the day. It's, uh, you know, do is, you know, you plan the work and work the plan. Right. Um, because it just doesn't happen. You got to build your puzzle. You got to plan it. You got to work it. And uh, so, to me, that would be the, you know, the be dream do. Dean, thank you so much. It was just a real pleasure to have you on the show, ladies and gentlemen. Dean Meyer, CEO, retired. <laughs> it's just been it's just been great to have you on the thank show. You. And uh, listen, Dean Meyer. Retired with a purpose. With a purpose. Ladies and gentlemen, stay tuned for yet another exciting show we're going to have next week. And remember, do what you love and, and love, love what you, you do. do. Thank you for joining David and his guest. Make sure to catch Be Dream Do Living by Design every week right here on StarWorldWideNetworks.com. <laughs>